Praise the Lord, everyone. Isn't the Lord good? I, I, I love the Lord. He, he is so gracious to us. Would you, um, would you look over at somebody close to you, somebody that's decidedly better looking than you, and wave at them? I'm going to wave at everybody. Uh, God, is, God is amazing. We, we've had such a great week, and I, I, Friday night was uh, phenomenal. I love Christmas in the courtyard. You know, and just having all of the hot chocolate and the, the popcorn and, and the cookies. Man, we had so many cookies there. It was unbelievable. And I had to try every single one to make sure they were safe for you to eat. Uh, so it, it was great. I really enjoyed it. And, and it, it's just, if you haven't ever been to one uh, next year, I would encourage you to just to come. Although, let's pray for a little cooler weather. Just another... 10 degrees would be fantastic. Yeah, you know, so we could drop down into the 80s. So, uh, no, I, I love it though. Hey, I want to I talk to you just a few moments uh, this morning, and I want to introduce to you the new word in the Webster Dictionary for 2022. You know, every year Webster uh, uh, puts a new word out. I forget last year's word. But this year's, this year's word is great. I love it. Are you ready for this year's word? Gaslighting. Yeah, I know. See, one, one, a really great movie. If you're, if you're a, an old movie buff, 1944, there was a movie called Gaslight, had Charles Boyer, uh, Joseph Cotton, and Ingrid Bergman. Great movie. If you've never seen it, what it's about, Charles Boyer, which is Ingrid Bergman's husband, is trying to convince her that she's insane. And the whole movie is about him gaslighting her to think that she is crazy when she's really not. See, that's what gaslighting is. is it's manipulation. It's psychological manipulation to make you believe that there's something else wrong with you and not with the other person. Uh, families do that quite a bit. In fact, to be honest, it's more husbands than it is wives but there are some uh, narcissistic people that will make you believe or try to make you believe that what they did that was wrong is really your fault have you ever met somebody don't don't raise your hand um, you ever met somebody like that 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 somehow that, that they try to to get you to believe that that and they question your own sanity, your own ability, your own reasoning. They try to get you to, to think something other than what is the truth. And they do that to gain control over you. It's not just spouses, but it's, it's uh, people that you'll run across. Uh, politicians are great at it. You say, well politicians gaslight people yes they do if you if you look up the term gaslight you'll see where it says see politician uh, 
It, it, it's amazing that, that how many wars have we fought? And this is not a political thing. I'm just saying, how many wars have we fought around the world? Not just this country, but every country, because our leaders have persuaded us to believe that that was just essential to do. I know that in, in California, are you ready for this? In California, the governor has persuaded, has gaslighted the, the people into believing that if they don't go to electric cars by 2035, the end of the world will happen. So last, a few months ago, he, they issued a, a statement that said, by 2035, we're all going to have electric cars. And then two weeks later, they said, don't charge your electric cars because we're running short on electricity. Isn't that fun? Gaslighting. Gaslighting is simply getting you to believe something that is really not true. The world right now, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not saying that, that there's not some truth to climate change, but I know in the 70s, and you say, how do you know this? Because I have all the Time, Life, and Look magazines that had the next global freeze that was going to happen all on the cover, and then it went from a global freeze to a global warming and then it was just climate change and you say can humanity have a part in changing the climate well, I think they can I don't uh, I'm not I'm not an advocate of or against it I'm just saying be careful because there are a lot of people that will use that to gaslight people. Are you with me? I'll tell you one of the greatest, greatest gaslighting events that's ever happened is the narrative that Christmas is a feel-good holiday. Now, I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love all the decorations. I love the music. I remember being in second grade and first time I ever heard the song Silver Bells, I thought, this is the most amazing song I've ever heard in my entire life. I love everything about Christmas. I love the decorations. I love the music. I love the atmosphere. I love giving gifts and and I love receiving gifts. I love giving more than I do receiving, depending on the gift. As with most. But we, we love all of that stuff. I, I love everything. I, you know what? There's something. All right. I, this is true confession. I love Hallmark movies. I like, I like watching the Hallmark movie, and you say, why do you like watching Hallmark movies? There's 4,000 of them, and every single one of them have the same plot. And you're correct. They do. 
That's why I like them, because I know that good is always going to win out. There's always going to be a misunderstanding, but it's always going to be corrected. And there's snow and a dog. Every movie, it's just absolutely amazing. I love every, everything, all the aspects about, about this holiday. But this holiday is far more than just goodwill toward others. It's far more than just giving and receiving. It's far more than, than the decorations and, and Christmas caroling and, and everything else. And sure, all, all of the, the atmosphere is built and designed to, to help us understand that we really need to have one another and to be kind to one another. But if you think that's all that Christmas and the Christmas season is about, then you've missed it. Because the Christmas season is far more than Christmas carols. And it's far more than gifts and Christmas trees and, and everything else that we add. See, Christmas is about a dying world. Christmas is about a loving God. And Christmas is about the redemption of humanity. Christmas is about a dying world. A dying world. Jesus, the Bible tells us in, when Adam and Eve were created that, that God you know, it spoke everything into existence, but he made Adam from the dust of the ground. And in my mind, I can just kind of see God just kind of forming Adam out of the dust of the ground. And the Bible says he breathed into him the breath of life. He formed him and just... And he became a living soul. Everything else he spoke, but man, he created. Then the Bible says that he, he looked and said that he, Adam shouldn't be alone, so he, he made he, Adam to, to have sleep, and, and then he formed Eve from the rib of Adam, and they were equal in the garden. Sinless, perfect. Pure, righteous, so much so that God would come down every single day and talk to him. And he would, he would say, how was your day? I mentioned that last week, how God knew what their day was like. But can you imagine... Just think about your own children when they were little. I, I can still recall some of the conversations that I've had with my children when they were really young and, and how I would talk to them and, and get down on their level and 
I would ask them how their day was, and they would just respond and talk about how they broke their Barbie or something happened. And, and, and it was all stuff that was so simple, but it was so meaningful to them. But I don't really remember the, the, the narrative as much as I do the feeling of looking into that little face and love abounding that I was able to have a conversation with my own child. Can you imagine what God felt with Adam and Eve that he had created and breathed breath into? Not another birth, but a creation of his. God loves humanity. In fact, Genesis tells us after, after God made everything, every, every day that he created, whether it was a 24-hour period or a space and time, we don't know. I don't, if it was that important, God would have told us distinctly. But, but the reality is, after every one, God said, this is good. But when he made humanity, he said, this is really good. This is very good. See, the story of Adam and Eve is far more than just the beginning of, of humanity. It's a love that a creator has for his creation. More than everything else, and here he is, and then Adam and Eve mess up. They sin. And you say, well, what is sin? What is sin? Sin is simply missing the mark. It's, it's being less than perfect. It's, it's disobedience to God. It's unrighteousness. It's wrong. And God, as being a loving God, is still a holy God and can't abide in the same space as sin, as disobedience. So Adam and Eve had sin, had, because of their sin, had death pronounced on them. Death is a horrible thing. Remember when you were a kid? Little, little, and the first time you really experienced death. You ever, you, you have images perhaps of a walking down the road and you see a, 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 an animal that had been hit and they're no longer living and you just kind of wonder why because you're small. I, I remember when I was nine, my father passing away and even though I knew he was gone, I didn't comprehend it, I didn't grasp it, I didn't, I didn't realize the impact that it had. It hurts us, this thing called death. It hurts us for ourselves. It hurts us for our loved ones, that, that separation. And, 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 and I hate it. I, I don't like anything about it. There's nothing about this enemy of humanity called death that has any virtue whatsoever. 
It's horrible. And we're not made for it. That's why we fight it. That's why we try to be younger and act younger and 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 dress younger and and because we're grasping for that eternal spark that God placed in us we are eternal scripture says that that eternity has been placed in the heart of man and yet because of sin body, our house, this tent that we live in grows old. Somebody said the other day that they don't mind getting old, but their body's taking it pretty hard. Isn't that the truth? It's not about age, it's about it's about this thing called death, and, and we fight it because it's not natural to us. But it's, it's part of the dying world. It's because Adam and Eve dropped the ball, and we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, so therefore every single one of us has a carnal, sinful nature. And because we do, death has been pronounced upon us. You say Christmas is about a dying world. Yes, that's one aspect. The other aspect is about a loving God. That loving God that at the same time, because he's holy. Holiness is, you can't, you can't live in the same area, the same arena, the same, the same space as, as sin, as anything that's contradictory to God, that, that's contradictory to purity, that God is holy and God is righteousness. And when he pronounced that, that judgment on humanity, when he said the soul that sins is going to die because he is a righteous God and he has to do what is right. He, he proclaimed it and righteousness said death is the result. But the love of God was so compelling that even when he pronounced death, he pronounced hope in the, in the form of a savior. Because death was pronounced because of righteousness. But when righteousness of God and the love of God met, mercy was formed. And mercy is what all of us desire. We have a sinful dying world. And we have a loving God. It's not willing for any of us to perish, but all to come to repentance, to change our ways. But Scripture tells us that it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats and other animals to, to wash away, to remit sin. That, that, that the life of, of, of any other creation is not powerful enough to pardon humanity, 
because humanity is the pinnacle of God's creation. Because humanity is the one that God breathed into the spark of eternity. It's humanity. It's you. It's I. And God knew that the only way to redeem man, when I say man, I know I'm being archaic, old school, but I'm not gaslighting you. I'm simply referring to humanity. The only way that humanity could be redeemed is through a perfect sacrifice. And herein is the, the problem bulls and goats and, and other animals could not pardon sin nor could a human being because we are all descendants of Adam and through one man sin entered the world through all of us that's why Christ came born of a woman but conceived by God that's why the virgin birth is essential essential to the Christian faith you hear those who say well he was a, Christ was a good man I'm sorry a good man is not good enough oh he was a he was a, a worthy man well a worthy man is not good enough we needed a sinless man somebody without sin and that's why we talk about redemption and Paul so eloquently wrote in, in his letter to the Philippian church and in Philippians 2 when he's talking about how their character and how their conduct should be he said let the, the mindset that was in Christ be in you as well who being in the form of God didn't think it to be robbery to equal with God why? because he's God but, but get this, he says, he made himself, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Do you realize what Christ laid down? Being in the form of God, the Son of God set aside omnipotence, omniscience, all power, all knowledge. He could be everywhere all at the same time. He laid it aside and was born of a woman. And I want you to comprehend that for a moment, if you would. What does that look like? We say that Christ was fully God and 
that he was fully man. And yet, Luke 2 says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor with God and man. He grew in stature. That little baby that was born in the manger that was fully God didn't have a mind that said, okay, I'm, I'm pretending like I'm a little baby, but I created the earth and, and I'm just going to wait and I'm just going to bide my time. It wasn't a hollow shell. He learned. He grew. He understood. He became a human being. Wrap your mind around that. And you say, well, if Christ is fully God and fully man and he had to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with, with his Father in, in, in heaven, how, how did he defeat the devil then if he didn't have omniscience and omnipotence and, and he couldn't be everywhere at the same time? It was his character. Where Adam sinned, and we have a sinful nature. And you say, well, I don't have a sinful nature. Well, yes, you do. Did anybody have to tell you how to cheat, how to lie? No, that just came. That's part of our, our nature from Adam, that we do things that are devious, and, and we do things that, that are contrary to what God wants and when we're kids, contrary to what our parents want, because that's the human nature that we inherited from Adam. But when Christ came, he did not have that nature. His very nature was God. That's why when he was tempted, he was tempted in all points as we are, and yet without sin. See, God said, I'm going to redeem humanity because I love them. They dropped the ball. They stumbled. And though they deserve death, they're my creation. And my love for them is so overwhelming that, that I will defeat them not with my power and knowledge and, and wisdom, but I am going to defeat the adversary of their soul. I am going to defeat Satan. I am going to defeat death with my character, my virtue. That's why when Jesus was tempted, it wasn't tempted like we're with us. He was the same temptation but his character was God. And he was able to live a perfect, sinless life for 33 and a half years. The perfect sacrifice for the redemption of humanity. He did it, and he was nailed to a cross, and he suffered, and he died, and he rose again, but he did it all. And I think John explains it well in his simplistic terms, probably the verse that all of us memorize. 
For God so loved the world. I wonder if you're in your own mind if you could say, For God so loved, and then insert your name. He so loved you that he gave Christ. And now, because of the sacrifice of the cross, because that sinless sacrifice for humanity, we are redeemed. Not by our own good, not because of our virtue, not because we have said a certain prayer or recited a certain phrase. We're redeemed because we believe that Christ is the Savior. That we have given our lives to Him and we have, been, we have asked for forgiveness and we have entered into a relationship with Christ. And the real reason for redemption is found in the restoration not of humanity but of relationship with humanity. Do you realize that the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because God loves us so much that he wants to live in eternity with you? He wants to be able to share stories with you he wants to come and talk to you at the in the cool of the day and say how was your day today that's why the scripture says that never one time not one time in 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 eternity has god ever looked at an angel and said you're my son or you're my daughter nor has he throughout, because God's always been there. Never, ever, the scripture says, has he ever looked at any of his creation and said, you're my son, you're my daughter. But here we are, made lower than the angels, and yet he calls us the sons and daughters of God. Why? Because of his infinite love. We today are the recipients of the greatest story ever told. Don't allow the world to gaslight you into believing that Christmas is about gifts, it's about trees, it's about Hallmark movies, it's about decorations, it's about family. No, those are all amazing, great things, and I love them. But the point is, the reality of Christmas is that humanity was lost and without hope, and a loving God sent the solution to our problem, which is Jesus Christ the righteous. That's the reason why we can celebrate with hope even though even though 
we know that Christ had to suffer. We rejoice in the fact that in the darkness of the world, light has shined. And it has shined on us. And we are now the children of the living God. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back because I think this is a good time to praise. I'm going to ask those that are going to help me with communion to please come as well. I don't know of a better way to celebrate communion. Scripture says as often as we do it, we need to remember what Christ did for us. I, I love the Gospel of John. I love all the writings of John. I, I kind of have an affinity with his, I don't know, what I perceive of his personality. Very passionate, loving. And when he talks about Christ being born, the Word became flesh. And it says that in him was light. And that light was the light of men. The light of men. You ever been to a really dark place? And I think I've told you before, but we were in Carlsbad Caverns years ago, about a mile underground. And they said, hold on to something, hold on to somebody close. And they turned off the lights. Now, there's a difference when you turn off the lights in your house and you have 14 nightlights go, still going. And there's lights from outside and there's a street light shining in. There's a difference when all the lights go off and the moon's out, stars are out. It's dark, but it's not the absence of light. But when you're a mile underground and there are no stars and there's no sun and there's no moon and there's no light and they turn off every man-made light, you cannot see anything. You can put your hand in front of your face and you will not see it. You can hear people, but you can't see anything. You're literally walking in darkness. You don't know where you're going, and you don't even know the environment that you're in. And when the scripture says, and a light shined in darkness, We walked in darkness. We thought we knew which direction we were going and where we were uh, heading and, and, and the life that we were leading. But until the light of Christ shined in our lives, we had no clue. But when Christ shined, and we realize the necessity of a Savior 
and we surrendered our lives to him and we walked into that light. That's when life really began. And when the scripture says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, what he's re referencing is the story of Christmas, the story of Easter, the story of the resurrection. That we were lost and without hope, and he came, and he came because of his amazing love 